because we're kind of in this month of prayer, and we, we started this last, uh, last week, and if you weren't here last week because, well, it was the first, and whatever happens that night before, we're, we're not going to ask. But if you weren't here, we started this series, and uh, this morning in your email, you should have received, if you're on our mailing list, you should have received an email uh, with a download link for a prayer guide for 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you are not subscribed to our email list, we want to help you to do that. There's a connect form uh, uh, QR code on the back of your seat there. You can scan that. You can fill that in. I won't even get upset that you're using your phone right now. Um, all of those things. But it, anyway, if you need a printed copy, we have limited quantities of those available in the back uh, over there to my left behind you on your right. Uh, we want you to engage intentionally in prayer. In fact, that's why we've titled this series Intentional Prayer, because we want to learn how can we be more intentional and not haphazard? How can we be more intentional and intercede? How can we be more intentional and see God do some amazing things in our own lives? So last week we did, um, we talked about, God, would you search me? And we, we thought, you know, if we were to really look into the scriptures and understand that there's this, this important connection between us and the boundaries that we put in our lives, these boundaries that we put in there that are our own sin, our own shortcomings, our own uh, thinking patterns, our, and all of these things that come into our, our hearts and our minds that cause us to have obstacles in our relationship with God. But sometimes we have these things that are good things, but they actually are obstacles as well. And so we learned that if we can ask the, the question of God, God, would you search me? God, would you lay my heart open? Would you lay me bare so that whatever is in me that is keeping me from you, God, would you show me? God, would you bring it to light? God, would you help me to discern? And so hopefully you, you started praying that prayer last week. And once you started uh, hearing things from the Lord, it, you kind of maybe stepped back for a second going, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. But I hope that some of you or all of you pressed in. And you understood that when God opens your eyes to something that is keeping you from experiencing the fullness of life that he has created you to live in, that you have an opportunity to deal with it. You have an opportunity to bring yourself into a place of obedience, a place of communion with God. So hopefully God showed you some places that, that he's at work in you and on you and that God is able to then bring you into this place of release, this place, place where the burdens and, the, and all of those chains that have been pulling you down are being released. The work of the Holy Spirit transforming you from the inside out. So the question is then this, what did God show you? Hopefully it was an enlightening time. Hopefully there was transformation happening and that will continue to happen. Because God will show you things in your own heart, in your own, in your own life that... If you listen, he will begin the work of redemption. He'll begin the work of restoration. He will continue the transformation that began the moment that you placed your faith in Jesus. 
I wanted to ask an additional question this morning. How many of you have ever had to do something or ever have done something that has scared you? Okay. Now, we're not talking about getting on the roller coaster. And we're not talking about going to a haunted house. And we're even not even talking about looking under a teenager's bed. What I mean is this. Is, is there ever been a time that there's something that you knew you had to do? You absolutely knew it was essential for you to do it, but you felt absolutely unprepared. Or you felt as though that someone else could potentially do it better than you. You've been there? For some, that meant going into a treatment room to get medicine for cancer. For some, it meant, it meant going in and going under uh, anesthesia to have surgery to explore what was going on inside your body. For others, it, it means facing the reality that our life, it has limits. For so many of us, there are things that we engage in that make it very difficult for us to step into them because we are scared, because we don't know where we're going to be at the end of that moment. We come face to face with our own insecurity. We come face to face with the reality that possibly, I don't know if you've ever been here as a student, but possibly you didn't study enough or you studied the absolute wrong things. For me, one of those moments was when I was 19 years old. It was a moment where I was completely ill-prepared. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was fearful and I was nauseous. Anyone ever been in that place where you so feel so ill-prepared, feel so unable to do what you're supposed to do that you just feel like, oh. You ever been so nervous that you just sweat? Yeah. You ever been so nervous that you can't remember your name? Yeah. So here I was, I'd practiced my lines over and over and over again. And here's the thing that happens. Anyone here? Because sometimes you practice so much that you begin to jumble and jump over from one spot to another and you jumble everything that you wanted to say and you sound like, well, unintelligent. But here I was. My hands were sweaty. I had sweat going down my face. My, my shirt was soaked. The mic was on. And I mustered up all the courage that I had and said, would you like fries with that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was, the, that was the first time that I delivered a message to a group. The very first time that I stood in front of people and began to talk about a relationship with Jesus for the very first time in front of a group. I know that the lesson was from Romans. I don't know what the title was, but I do know that I worked 12 hours on it. And I want you to know something else. I was done in five minutes. In fact, you'd be packing up to go right now. You're like, where's that guy, right? Anyway, so after all that prep and all that stuff was done, before I knew it, it was just over. And that was the beginning of several soaked shirts. And it was also the beginning of learning to boldly speak the gospel.
working through a passage in order to bring application to life. By now, I've delivered thousands of messages, Bible studies, retreats, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, all kinds of places. By now, I've delivered thousands of messages, and I'll tell you what, some of them were actually good. Today, though, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the very beginning of the Christian church. We're going to be looking at, at the beginning of it and look at what Luke had recorded in the book of Acts and, and what the beginning of the church was like and the things that they endured and the questions that they asked and the, the uh, circumstances surrounding it. In particular, we're going to be looking at chapters 3 through 5. Now, we're not going to read all of 3 through 5. But this book, it was really a letter, and it was written to the same man that the book of, of Luke was written to, Theophilus. It was a continuation of a story, talking first about the story of Jesus and the gospel of Luke, moving up to, here's what happened after this man Jesus had died. He didn't stay dead. He rose again, and here's how it shaped the world, the world as they knew it. So the book of, book of Acts was about what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. It's about the formation of the early church. And, we're, and specifically, we're looking at an account dealing with Peter and John today. Now, Peter and John. Now, John is kind of known as this guy that's loving. He's kind. He's, he's just so heartfelt. Peter. Some of you identify with Peter because you're bold and you're brash and you come charging in, right? But God gives the church special spiritual gifts, and we see that coming through with Peter and with John. Peter and John complemented one another. Their personalities complemented one another, and they were able to go and do the work that God had placed in front of them as a ministry team that helped them to build up the body of Christ. So as we look at this account in the beginning of the book of Acts, we see that Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. They're going to the temple to share the good news with the Jews. They're doing actually the things that they had already been accustomed to doing growing up as Jewish men. They knew that they were going to temple. They knew that they were going to pray, but they had this new mission in front of them in that they had the good news of Messiah to proclaim. They're keeping those practices. And in this moment, Peter and John, they encounter a man who had been crippled, a man crippled all of his life. And this man, as they're walking by, asks for money, which I would assume they've walked past this man several times. But this man asks them for money, and Peter, reaching out his, reaching in his pockets, right, pulling out his little money bag, whatever it is, pulling out Lent and saying, hey, look at us. Do I look like I have money? Do I look like somebody that could help you in this way? Well, I don't have that. So he says, listen, I don't have money to give you. But in the name of Jesus, I said, get up and walk. And then Peter helps this man stand up. And this man gets up giving glory to God. He's jumping, he's running, he's shouting praises to God. This man is so excited that he had been crippled for all of his life, and now here he is standing, running, 
jumping. And as you can imagine, this kind of event will cause so much commotion because everyone has walked past this man several times going to temple. He'd been there for decades. They even knew his name, I'm sure. But at this moment, as a result of what had happened in his life, he clung to Peter and John. And he was with them in Solomon's portico. And the scripture says this about the crowd. The crowd was confused and amazed at what had happened. Peter then speaks boldly in that moment about Jesus. He told them, listen, you guys, I don't know what was going on when you were attending your classes, when you were having your your sessions with your Pharisees, following after your rabbi, but you have missed the Messiah. You have missed it. And in this ignorance, you missed it and you have crucified Jesus. But Jesus did not stay dead. He defeated death and he rose on the third day. And Jesus came, Peter said, to bless you and redeem you. And Peter invited the crowd to place their faith in Jesus. This same Jesus who had healed this lame beggar, this same Jesus that had caused this commotion because a man that was not well was made well. In this speech from Peter, you know what it did? It greatly annoyed the religious leaders. Picking up in chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the Pharisees, the temple, the Sadducees, they came, and they were greatly annoyed. They were greatly annoyed because these guys were teaching the people. Because these guys, they weren't qualified to teach. And they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, that didn't bother the Pharisees, but that sure bothered the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in angels. They didn't believe in other things. And in fact, here's what I learned. You want seminary training right now? Here it is. Do you know why they were called Sadducees? Well, they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Isn't that great? You know, $100,000 and you can get that kind of quality. (laughs) And so here's what happened. They arrested them. They arrested them and they put them in custody because they didn't know what to do. And so the next day, they put them in in custody until the next day because it was already evening. But many of those who heard had believed the words of Peter. And a number of them A number of men came to be about 5,000. So the next day, these people hearing the words of Peter, believing what Peter had said, the next day they bring these three, not just James or not just John and Peter, but the man who had been healed. They bring those three in front of them in front of the elders, the scribes, the rulers, and many other religious leaders. And they placed them in the middle of the circle. This wasn't just kind of standing out in the corner. This was walking into a hearing room where there were circles of people tiered, looking down at those who were being discussed. And so they placed them in the center of the room and they asked them, 
Hey, what happened? Well, Peter, being who Peter is, said, <laughs> glad you opened that door. So Peter then filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people, elders, if we are being examined today concerning the deed done to a crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, by Jesus, it is this man here is standing. He's standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, right? Which has become the cornerstone. And Peter said, I want you to hear this. There is salvation in no one else. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we, by which we must be saved. Peter said, this man that you ignored, that you marginalized, this Jesus that you crucified, salvation came through him. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they, were, they perceived that they were uneducated. Now, if you look at the, uh, at the text and you read the Greek word, it's it. It, it's idiotas. The, it, they were idiots is what basically he said. It just meant uneducated. They were common men. They didn't go through rabbi training. They weren't in this place where they had been sitting and listening and digesting the scriptures. These were common men. <laughs> and they said, if these idiots are talking like this, we're astonished. And they recognized though, that these men had been with Jesus. But seeing that the man who was healed was standing beside them, they had absolutely nothing to say in opposition. The response of Peter raised more than a few eyebrows. In fact, in that room, you could probably cut the tension with a knife. And so they kicked him out for a moment, and they're like, oh, my goodness, guys, what are we going to do? How are we going to, to do something about this? Because you know this guy. He has been there for a long time. So they conferred. They talked. They said, okay, well, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, uh, well, we could, um, we could bribe him. We could do, you know, any number of things. A lot of shrugging probably happened. No, I don't know. It's not my problem, right? But the crowd, the crowd wasn't going to let them just leave it alone. The crowd was waiting for the response of these religious leaders. And they weighed the options and they determined that here's what we're going to do. We're just going to bring them back in and we're going to say, okay, guys, that's great that you did this. It's really cool that this guy, he, he was crippled, but now he's not. That's awesome. But can you do us a favor? Just don't talk about Jesus anymore. Just don't say anything about him. Because what they had witnessed couldn't be denied. And the crowd was amazed at what had happened. So guys, just don't talk about Jesus anymore and we'll be good. So they say this to Peter. And Peter and John, they answered them. 
And they said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than him, you're going to have to figure out that on your own. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. And so they heard this and they further threatened them. Listen, we're going to take away your stuff. We're going to make life hard for you. It's going to be really hard for you to do business around here. They threatened them with words, but they let them go, finding no reason to punish them, no way to punish them. Because of all the people, for they are all praising God for what had happened. Because the man, the man for whom the healing was performed, he was more than 40 years old. Four decades of being crippled. Over in a moment because of the name of Jesus. So then Peter and John, they go back and they go back to their, their circle of friends and they're, they're talking about the things that were going on in the past days. Hey, listen, we got put in jail and all these things. And, and I tell you, you know, it was amazing. Peter just spoke and it wasn't Peter because you know Peter, right? It wasn't Peter, but my goodness, those words. And it dumbfounded the, the people. They didn't know what to say. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, all of the religious leaders, they were just gaping, mouths open, looking and seeing and having nothing to say. They just said, hey, don't talk about Jesus. And the whole group then prayed. And they asked God to reveal a few things to them. They proclaimed of God's goodness. They proclaimed of God's authority. They proclaimed of God's actions among the people. And here's something that they prayed. Acts 4.29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. While, God, you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your, the name of your servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, you know what happened? The place that they were gathered in was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So what do we learn from this passage of scripture? We learn that God makes us bold. That if we will ask God, open my heart, God, serve me, open me, lay me bare so that I understand those things that are keeping me from experiencing the full, the better life that you have given me. God, would you show me those things? God, would you make me bold that I would not be as scared to say something about the goodness of Jesus in my life? Let me proclaim your word. Let me read your word. Let me be a person that looks back to your word. Let me live your word with boldness and continue to proclaim Jesus. So our next question is this, God, would you make me bold? God, would you make me bold? God, would you open the door to more in my prayer life? Would you open the door to more in my life? God, would you search my heart? God, would you make me bold? 
So the next day, they, they get up and they go back to Solomon's portico. And people, they're getting healed. There's all kinds of things happening. Miracles are being done. And it's all not in the name of the apostles, not in the name of the people that are doing the healing, that are performing those things. It's instead in the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus has power. And more and more people are choosing not to follow Peter and John or James or any of those men. They're choosing to follow Jesus, the sick, the lame, the afflicted, the ones that are being healed, the ones from out of town, the ones from all around town. And it's reaching a point to where it has to be stopped by the high priest. He looks around at what's going on in the city. He's like, this is not good for business. So he rose up and he said, listen, go arrest these men and place them in jail. And so they take them, they gather them up, and they put them in jail. Acts chapter 5, verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the prison and brought them out and said, go. Go into the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach. Looks like, listen, it's no big deal. An angel just came, opened the door, said, y'all get out of here, right? Get back out there and preach. So I have a question for you. What happens when we ask God to make us bold? What happens when we ask God to show us the places where we need redemption, to show us the places where we need to be restored? If we seek redemption, if we seek restoration, we will be led to obey, to follow in the ways of our Heavenly Father. Now, when we ask God to make us bold, and we ask God, God, would you give me your strength? God, would you give me your wisdom? Would you give me the ability to speak, not on my own power, but on the power of Christ in me? God, would you give me the ability just to show up, to stand? God, would you make it so that praying and relying on you is my first choice? and not my last option. God, would you make it so that I come to you first asking you to bless, to be involved, to be the one that brings the power. God, would you make it where I rely on you and that you're my first choice. Would you help me, God, to open my heart, to be bold so that prayer becomes central in my life. That I begin to seek you, God, in all areas, in all choices that I make. God, would you help me to not say that work is work, but instead say, God, how would you have me work? That what I watch on television, what I stream online, what I view with my phone, all of those things, God, would you, God, would you be evident in those choices that I make? And what happens when we lean into those things? What happens when we are laid bare and we say, God, would you search me? And you say, God, would you make me bold? You'll learn more about prayer. 
and your eyes will become more open as to what's at stake at the world around you. So we pray first. And prayer is no longer our last option. But it means letting God lead you. Even when you don't know. Even where you can't see where he's leading you. Bold means that you go where God says to go. And you do what God says to do. Even at great personal cost. Even if it scares you. Even if you have sweat rings that go from here all the way down to here. Even if it's something that you've absolutely never, ever, ever done before. You know, during hard times and crisis, people, they turn to those who are bold. When God makes you bold, you know what happens? People notice. Not just in a time of crisis, but before that. If we can learn how to be consistently bold in life, you know what happens? You'll, become, you'll come to mind when people think of, when they look for leadership. So we say, God, would you make me bold in the name of Jesus? God, would you make me bold in the name of Jesus? Not because I have this huge personality. Not because I'm seeking some sort of personal gain, but God, would you give me proper perspective? God, would you make me bold in Jesus for your name's sake? God, that I would be humble that I would submit to you, that I would be bold in the name of Jesus, that I wouldn't think too highly of myself or too little, God, of what you will do in me and through me. So as we kind of wrap things up this morning, our prayer becomes, God, would you search me God, would you search me and make me bold? God, would you search me? God, would you give me boldness? Because I believe that there's some people in here right now that have been shying away from the things that God has told them they should do, from the life that God told them they should lead. They have been making choices that fly in the face of what God says they should be about. I believe there are people in here that have been walking away from ministry opportunities, that have been walking away from places to serve because they have this idea in their head that it's about them, that it's about what, where they fail, that it's about where they are not gifted. Instead of saying, God, would you search me? God, would you make me bold? God, would you do those things? Would you pray with me? So Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we, we ask, Lord, that you help us to push away all that clutter. God, all of those things that are causing us to bring excuse upon excuse. Father, as you've opened our hearts and our minds to see those things that are, that are obstacles to our relationship with you, God, I pray, Lord, that you give us the courage to deal with those. Father, that we lay them before you, that we let Jesus that we let Jesus cleanse them. Father, that we submit our lives to the rule of Christ in our, in our lives, God. 
that through that process, we learn how the Holy Spirit continues to transform us. And God, in that transformation, let us see that that wasn't on our own power. It wasn't by our own devices, but God, it was through your boldness being made known in our lives. So God, help us to be bold. God, help us to follow. I pray, Lord, that you help us to be people that when we gather together, the whole room shakes, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. So, Father, we ask, Lord, for an unleashing in our lives, that you unleash us from our destructive thoughts, and, God, that we walk in the fullness of life that can only come through Christ. God, would your Holy Spirit reign in us and march us towards strength and perfection in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.